Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's guest is model and influencer Rocky Barnes. She is also the founder of the fashion line The Bright Side and a mom of two. She's also an investor in Parallel, which is so cool and amazing. She was such a fan of our products, so it's really neat to have her involved in the business. Today, we dove into Rocky's experience adjusting to motherhood, especially her challenging chapters through postpartum, and I love how real she got about that. We talked about how she manages to have fun with her friends and make time for her partner and how her relationships have changed and also her relationship with herself. It honestly felt like a therapy session with a good friend and it was such a fun and interesting conversation and I loved her fresh perspective on motherhood. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Hi, Rocky. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my God. I am such a fan. You are the ultimate cool mom in my book and <laughs> so thrilled to share your story with our community. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a journey. Let me tell you, <laughs> but it's been fun. It really is. So you've got two little ones, Orientas. How old are they? Yes. So I have two little kids, two little boys. I'm a full boy mom. Um, my oldest will be three in January. So a little over two and a half. And my youngest Charlie, the oldest is Jones. The youngest Charlie is six months actually today on the day. (laughs) You made it past six months with two. Yeah. 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 I heard it gets easier after this point. It does. I always tell everyone that had children, my kids are about the same spacing of about two years. And I always tell everyone the first six months with your second is a doozy. It's wild, but you get in the flow. I honestly, going from zero to one, I honestly thought was going to be the hardest because before I had kids, my husband, Matt and I were literally gallivanting around the world. We were away from home more than we were actually home. Uh We were doing international trips once a month. We were doing Uh LA, New York twice Uh a month. We were all over the place. And I was like, there's Uh no way that going from that lifestyle to having a child can ever be more dramatic. There's nothing that can ever beat that. That is like the ultimate transitional period in our lives. And then we had a second and I was like, this is no joke. I thought one was hard. And then we had two and I I don't know what to do. We used to have this amazing routine where I would sleep in one day and then Matt would sleep in one day. And we told all our friends, we're like, this is great. We still sleep. And now it's just all hands on deck all the time. It's wild. It's so wild. They're so small and they still need so much support. I remember looking at my husband when we were maybe three or four months in with my daughter and my son was about two and a half at the time. And we just looked at each other like, how does anyone do this? And then you just do it and you You figure it out. (laughs) You do. But you know, balancing a relationship with working full time, with having two kids, with working, managing a house, like there's so much going on that I feel like I, I went to a dinner last night for this uh, new jewelry brand. And I was sitting across from this girl, Stella, who also has a jewelry brand. And she has two boys who are a little bit older, I think a little bit older than yours. And she was, the dinner started early, which we all appreciated as moms okay. and ended at like eight thirty. And she's like, I have to go. I need an hour by myself at home to enjoy my time before I go to sleep. 
I respect that. And I get that 100%. Good for you for like being able to create those boundaries for yourself and set time aside for yourself because you know, mentally you need that extra hour before you go to sleep. I respect that so much. I was joking with my team the other day that one of the things I miss is just silence. <laughs> being oh my gosh. And <laughs> sometimes like, I just need quiet time. But I think that's so important is also to slow down and think about what you need to be your best self. And well, I, having, I, a, having kids is so overstimulating, don't you think? Yes, so overstimulating. It's nonstop. I used to be able to like handle whatever. And I find myself, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or if it's because I'm a mom, but I find myself getting so overstimulated constantly and like way more than I used to. And I tell my husband this and my husband, I'm kind of like the guy in the relationship where like, I like to, I'm a Scorpio. I like to sit alone, lock myself in my closet, be quiet, be creative and have some alone time. Whereas my husband would love to be connected to me 24 seven and do everything together and do like read emails side by side, like do that What's whole thing. He's a Sagittarius. Oh, I love it. Scorpio is sad. Yeah, but he doesn't get overstimulated. Yeah. So he's how just like, you, bring it. How do you create that space though for yourself when you are feeling overstimulated? You just kind of carve out time for you or what do you do? With Charlie, I don't get as overstimulated. Like sometimes putting him down for a nap is as relaxing for me as it is for him, I think, because I get to sit in like a quiet, dark room for like 15 minutes and kind of refocus and reconnect with myself. Yeah. And then, like I said, lock myself in the closet is like always yeah. a good one. Love that <laughs> one. I've been known to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like my go-to. It's, yeah. My closet is my office. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to lock myself in here. I've learned to actually like try and set those boundaries for myself with my husband. He doesn't understand. And sometimes he takes it personally that I'm trying to be by myself and he thinks it's like something to do with him. And I have to constantly remind him, it's not about you. It's it's for my own mental health because he just does not understand it at all. It's hard. It's it's not easy because we both work from home as well. So we have Charlie here with our nanny during the day. And then Jones comes home from preschool. And as a mom as well, like, I find it hard to relax if I'm at home at all with the kids because then you spidey sense kicks in. You're like, are they crying? Do I need to go out there? Are they down? It's lunchtime. Are they eating yet? Oh, wait, I hear the baby crying. Did he sleep long enough? You know what I mean? Like those things. And there's always something to do. You know, you, always. you, you know, rattled through all these roles that you occupy and many women who are listening occupy, you know, we're not only mothers, but we're friends, we're partners in a relationship, we might be, or, you know, we're, we're running a house or keeping a space clean and organized and paying bills. There's all these different roles that we have. And it's just over, it's overwhelming is what the reality yeah. is a lot. It's yeah. There. It's a lot. It's a lot. I try and give myself realistic expectations for each day. I think that that's one thing that I've really become good at, um, yeah. to be able to not feel like I'm ever running behind or feel like I'm not doing enough or feel like my day wasn't productive. I feel like setting realistic goals for myself and having realistic time management for myself has been a huge help because I never overschedule myself and never feel like 
I am not going to get everything on my to-do list done. Like my husband will start going down a checklist of things that we need to do today. It's like, mm-hmm. we need to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, I'm going to be able to do two out of five of those. Yeah. Realistically, I have this, this, and this. I have like an hour. I can do that. I, it's going to take me half an hour to drive there to have this meeting and do that. And I, I feel like I've really locked down how long it takes me to do everything and being able to set realistic expectations for my husband, our assistant, our clients. I feel like that takes a lot of stress off of me without thinking that I can do 20 things in a day and I actually can't. So that would be like a nice trick to share with everyone. The time management and being realistic about what you can actually do. And while also like leaving time in there for you to do your hair and makeup, take a shower. You shouldn't have to sacrifice those things either. I couldn't agree more. That is such valuable advice that I need to take personally. (laughs) Probably many of our women listening can reality check on how long things take or what we can conceivably accomplish in a single day. There's a few things I want to unpack here. First, do you wake up every day and kind of decide what those priorities are for that day? Do you journal? Like, what does your morning look like so that you can decide what you want to accomplish that day? We have like a shared calendar. Every single thing that is in our lives is on that calendar between my husband and I and our assistant shares it. So when we go to like book stuff, Mm -hmm. everyone can see what everyone's doing and you can have like kind of a, a clear picture of what is actually feasible or what isn't. I tend to give myself like two to three important things to do in a day. And I think that is always something that is manageable and realistic for me to do. And if I can get other stuff done, that's like icing on the cake. And then I feel extra productive that day. And I think a lot of it too is in the morning, I'm like a very structured morning routine person. I wake up, I changed Charlie's diaper. Matt is in charge of Jones in the morning and I'm in charge of Charlie. So we divide and conquer. Yeah. Um, I do Charlie. I make the bed, brush my teeth, do my skincare in the morning. I get my coffee and uh, get Jones like packed up for school Mm -hmm. and Matt takes him to school. And then I can like start getting ready for the day. And I think like once I do that and having everything kind of like planned out, you can kind of, tackle it. I feel like I have my days planned out prior to the day. It's not like I'm looking at the list day of and figuring it out. I feel like Matt and I sit down early in the week and kind of figure out what deliverables we have to do with clients, what meetings we have and really like hash those out. And we're not, I think being a parent, your priorities definitely change. And we're like, we're not scared to tell clients Mm -hmm. we don't have time this week to do that. We don't. We have children. We have responsibilities. We just straight up don't have time to do that. We can do it next week. The fact that you can set a boundary is so powerful. And I think oftentimes, and maybe I'm just talking about myself, but I feel like I've had to like hit rock bottom to decide that I need to set a boundary. Like I've been crying in my closet because I was so overwhelmed. Like I've had these really tough moments, and that's what's forced me to start to set boundaries but you seem to be like very intuitively inclined to set boundaries. Is that something that's like been part of who you are always from your work life before becoming a mom? 100% no. (laughs) I feel like I've been a people pleaser my whole life. And I feel like coming from the modeling world, you had absolutely zero say in scheduling or anything. And I think 
especially early on in your career and early on for anyone in any sort of like work position, you, you have to put that time in and you have to be able to be a yes person all the time. I think I'm really lucky enough in my career, I've been doing this for like 12 years now, where I've like established myself a little more and have a little bit more flexibility and power for that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it at the same time is that people are so much more aware and understanding of motherhood. And I feel like I'm working with so many more clients where our points of contact are mothers themselves and going through this process themselves. And I was one of the things I was terrified of when I first had Jones coming from the modeling world was no one's going to want to work with me. Everyone's going to be like, she's a mom. She can't handle it anymore. She's not going to have the time to do this. Um, She's, you know, as a model, she's not going to be sexy anymore. She's not going to like be cool anymore. You can't be a cool mom. And those were all the fears that kind of went through my head before I had a kid. And then I'm like, fuck, I'm like mid thirties. I'm having a kid. I don't even care what anyone says anymore. Like this is the path for my life. And I refuse to like put it off any longer because of my fears that you should never do anything out of fear. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you how pleasantly surprised I was. All of my clients were so understanding and so like flexible with me. And I I don't think it would have been like that 10 years ago. No, I I think things are changing. And I think what there's a couple of things here, you know, first, I think we're realizing that there is no better multitasker than a mom. A mom (laughs) done. I mean, listening to you and your boundaries and your schedule and how you plan your day. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, even when we're hiring for parallel, I constantly think like moms are some of the best when it comes to getting things done. But in terms of going from being in a role where, you know, you were, you are still very much in the public eye and transitioning into this role of as, as a mom. And you kind of touched on this idea of like, will I be sexy anymore? Will they want me? Tell me a little bit about like your self-identity metamorphosis from like pre-kids to post-kids. I remember coming home from the hospital and looking at myself and I just, I didn't really know who I was. And I had such a hard time getting dressed those first few months. I just, oh yeah. You know, tell me about your experience with that. To be fair, I loved being pregnant. I loved it. I loved having a belly. I loved dressing my belly. Um, It was so fun for me. Mm -hmm. Postpartum is literally the worst. Mm -hmm. I think postpartum is the hardest part of pregnancy. It is the hardest part to dress because you don't have a cute bump that's like Mm -hmm. your best accessory and center of attention. Also, Mm -hmm. I was blown away by how my body shape changed from being pregnant to literally after giving birth. For me, it wasn't even just my stomach that was so different. My hips were completely different. My hips widened massively. Moms out there, they go back. They do. They do. <laughs> they go back. It's but better. They so wide. I could yeah. get, barely get my pants over my my knees. Yeah. yeah. Like everything was Wild. massive. I had cankles for like the first three months. Because I had so much water retention and I had a really horrible delivery. I, um, your first or second with Jones, the second one I sneezed and Charlie came out, (laughs) but that's because that's because Jones has the head of a bowling ball. His head is like hundred percentile head circumference since the day Uh he was born off the charts. I literally gave birth to like 
a 10 pound baby, but he was only seven pounds. A, a watermelon head. <laughs> a watermelon head. Oh he, I had third degree tears. I was in a wheelchair for a week, scared to poo for like two months. Oh, um, it was the whole thing. <laughs> literally was like peeing my pants for the first year after giving yeah. birth. Like everything was coming out in yeah. like sprinkler yeah. systems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And I think even for my husband, it was Mm -hmm. traumatic. Like I was really, really wanting to have a a vaginal birth. And I think that I really, our doctor was a family friend and I think he like respected my decision, but also like, I probably should have had a C-section. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like really. he, yeah. he held out longer than he should have. And I'm actually grateful for it because I, I love the fact that I was able to have a natural birth, but mm-hmm. if it were anyone else, he would have given some, that girl a C-section yeah. half an hour yeah. ago. Like I pushed oh, for two and God. a half hours and Jones was in the NICU for a week. It was a whole thing. So after that, the road was paved and Charlie came out with like three sneezes. <laughs> but so much just happened there. I mean, you yeah. have a pretty tough birth experience, just the actual birthing itself. Yeah. Mentioned he went into the NICU. He was in the NICU because he had, because of his trauma during birth, he had a a subgelia hematoma. So essentially like a large blood clot or not clot, a blood um, pool on -hmm. his skull. So, you know, the NICU is obviously amazing for babies and they're just like overly conservative, which is what you want with your baby. So they had him on observation and because of the blood um, hematoma in his head, he was uh, more susceptible to becoming jaundice because his liver couldn't process the blood as well because there was such a huge pool of it. So there were all these things and they wanted to make sure that there wasn't like uh, a blood disorder which caused it and wanted to make sure it was actually just trauma from birth. So they were like very very thorough and, and took great care of him. But we spent the first week of his life in the NICU, which then caused my milk not to come in. So I spent like the first, I only breastfed for three months because my milk never fully came in. And I was nursing and then pumping after nursing to try and up everything. Uh And I would, I remember at like, at three months, I was pumping for like 45 minutes, getting like one ounce. Oh man. And my husband was like, you're done. That is a bad feeling. And what was the breastfeeding experience like um, when you first started? Was it painful? Like, what? How? How was that for you? I feel like my nipples are made to breastfeed. <laughs> They're just like I've never had an issue with them. Yeah. The problem was that when he's in the NICU, and I didn't really realize this as a yeah. new mom because they don't tell you this is that. I'm having my husband wheel me in there every three hours because I want to breastfeed my child. I want to be there. I want to do all that. But in retrospect, I'm like, they definitely fed him just whenever he cried. And they definitely weren't waiting for me to come in to feed him. So like I would go in there and he like wouldn't, he would latch for a second, but it would like, or play around and wouldn't get a full feed. Mm -hmm. So like, even though I was in there every three hours, it wasn't necessarily on his schedule and it wasn't getting skin on skin. And so it totally messed up my entire milk supply. And I know for a fact, because it was perfect with Charlie, I breastfed Charlie great with no issues, but it says a lot about being able to be next to your child for the first few weeks. It really does. So you finally get home, everyone safely from the hospital. Tell me about the first time you had a second alone and you saw yourself in the mirror. What did you think? Uh, 
I'm a pretty positive person. So like I see myself in the mirror and like what I kind of, I feel like I was, I knew that my body was going to go through trauma. I knew my body was going to be evolving. And I just like, I remember looking at myself being like, this too will pass. And I, but at the same time, I also remember not caring nearly as much as I thought I would. Isn't that amazing? Cause it's beautiful. Oh my God, this body did something incredible. And you just start to give yourself this grace that you didn't know, you know, at least I didn't know I had for myself. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about style because we touched on this earlier, you know, getting dressed as a mom, putting yourself together as a mom versus before kids. Did you feel some type of change in terms of how you how you put yourself together every day. Tell me about that. Well, when I when I got pregnant, I remember like going through my closet and like throwing out all my kind of sexier outfits. Like I'm never gonna wear these again. I'm never gonna wear this again. I'm a mom now. I'm never gonna yeah. wear this again. And now I'm kind of like uh, maybe I would have worn that again. <laughs> yeah. Like I never thought that I would ever feel as sexy or as like good about myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. It took me a much longer time with Jones after having Jones. Um, I think my body took a lot longer to heal. And I, even now, like I fit back into a lot of my clothes, but mm-hmm. I don't think you can do anything about it postpartum. And it, it takes your body what it's going to take your body to get back. And I think that most girls don't give themselves enough time for that. I think I hear a lot, nine months on, nine months off. And I'm like, how about nine months on, year and a half off? Year and a half <laughs> off. I couldn't agree more. You're right. It's so long to recalibrate. I mean, something that blew, blew my mind was when we were formulating our postnatal product, our co-founder, Dr. Bayati, was like, you know, women need to take prenatals at least three years after they give birth. The amount of nutrient depletion and the demand that is put on mothers in the early days of being a mom, you are deprived, you're probably not eating as balanced of a diet. All these things create nutrient depletion. And that really blew my mind because it also just shows like so much of your body went into building this little person. It takes a long time to get it all back and put it all back together. And it might go back together differently, which is fine, but it just kind of made it so clear, you know, the impact physically of what happens to us after, after we give birth and it takes a oh, long yeah. time. It takes a long time. And I feel like all of my first time moms never give themselves enough grace on that. And like, I, people are always like, Oh, you snapped back so quick after you gave birth the first time. And I was like, bitch, it was COVID. I was in sweats for nine months. Like you don't even know, like stop acting like you knew what my body looked like. I was in fucking sweatpants for literally a year. And like those hide your body real well. And also like, you're a master of style. Like you know how to dress. Like that's also magic for all of us. It's like understanding how to dress this new body and embrace it. I, my biggest thing for postpartum, and I tell all of my girlfriends this is I'm like, First of all, invest in some clothes because it's not like you're going to be postpartum for a couple months and then you're going to expect to squeeze back into your clothes. I'm like, you're going to be in postpartum for a year. Invest, go to Zara, go to like a cheap store and buy yourself a pair of jeans that fit you great and you feel good in because you're going to be wearing those for 
six months and then you're going to slowly like, you know, when I first was postpartum, I I remember I went to Zara, I bought four sizes up from my normal size. And then I would start like trickling down like every few months. I'd be like, okay, now I'm like three sizes above my normal. Now I'm like two sizes. I'm not going to like sit around and not wear clothes, not feel good about myself. I'm like, you can afford to go out and buy a pair of jeans that fit your body because this is your new body. Totally. And I think girls that hold off on that, it's like, then it becomes this like daily reminder that you don't fit in your clothes. I think that's part of the issue. We see this, you know, pair of jeans hanging there with a number on it and that, you know, can wreak havoc on a lot of us. And totally, I I wore my maternity jeans for quite a while after because they were just comfortable, you know, and I did my old jeans and that was all fine and well. And also no one knew except me. Yeah. (laughs) Like the thing is like you're, you're breastfeeding. So you shouldn't be focusing on losing the weight. You have to like keep your weight up in order to produce and not take away from your baby. Also, you're dealing with gigantic boobs now, like pre baby. I have no boobs and I, or like very little boobs. And I'm like, braless here. Oh, backless here. Like super low V here. You have a baby. And I'm like, how am I going to cover these like massive bra straps and make sure I'm not leaking through my shirt every two seconds? It's like, you have to kind of like redo your wardrobe, but I think it's, I think it's okay to, to feel like you can buy a couple of new things that are going to work for you during breastfeeding. And because, you know, let's say you're having your first child, you're probably going to wear those if you have a second or if you have a third and like, you know, those are things that you can wear. And, and I think it, it takes at least a year or so to eat get back 100%. to your old clothes and you shouldn't be rushing yourself on that. So three more. That's really good. Maybe don't go buy like thousand dollar shoes, but yeah. yeah, go get yourself some shoes, girl. <laughs> I love that. Because also the shoes thing. Don't even get me started yeah. on the shoe oh, thing. Oh yeah. I mean, I had very uh bloated feet as well for a while from well how, my feet grew a whole size. They did? Yes. I used to be like six and a half, seven. I'm like a seven and a half, eight now. Wow. Did they grow even more after your second? No, they, they kind of grew and stayed. Okay. That's so, So, the second wasn't worse, but the, but after Jones, they kind of, they haven't gone back down. I bet you have like the most amazing shoe collection. What a shame. (laughs) Some of them hurt now. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them hurt now. Oh my God. So you know what? I, I have one more thing to actually go back, going back to postpartum. Because this is like a really important moment mm-hmm. for me, and one that I think at the moment was so overwhelming for me. I remember sitting, I I, I live at my in laws for mm-hmm. two months after I had the baby because we have our babies in New York, and then my mother in law helps with babies, so we're like kind of holed up in uh, Jersey with them for two months after each kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember like sitting upstairs with Jones, um, feeding him, and being so hormonal and so overwhelmed with the feeding process of feeding him, burping him, changing him, getting him down for a nap, and then washing my pumps Mm -hmm. or pumping, then washing pumps and doing all this, that I remember sitting there and crying and never understanding how I would ever have a life again. Oh my! I distinctly remember, I'm never going to be able to do anything ever again. My entire life is this baby. Oh God, yes, I remember this too. And I think everyone I everyone I know that's gone through this experience shares that moment. 
it's insane. It's wild. But it does get easier. It does get easier. Cause you have it's to hard to see in the moment, but it does get easier. Yeah, I even after that, I even called my best friend who had her daughter's six years earlier. She was like the first of our friends out of college to have her kids. She moved to Texas mm-hmm. and we were all like, you know, raging our tits off being yeah. single. And she <laughs> like had her two kids in Texas. Yeah. And I remember calling her mm-hmm. and saying, I am so sorry. I was not there for you more. Yeah. And she laughed and she was like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Welcome like, to the club. I had no idea what you were going through. And I want to apologize because I was a bad friend and I did not even think how it could be this hard for someone. And you did it twice with none of us around you to support you. And so that was like, that was like a real moment for me. I mean, you have a whole new level of empathy after you become a mom to just anyone else that is a parent in any totally, you know, just wow, you have gone through it. So let's rewind to when you were sitting there upstairs at your in-laws and you had this kind of moment, like, were you just kind of, how did you mourn that life that you had once had? Like, how did you get through that? And did you ever experience any postpartum depression during this time? I don't know. Like, I never had any issues with depression before. I feel like I got sad, but I, it was never... I don't know. I, I have it's hard for me to distinguish what depression would be or what would just be like a hormonal phase. Like yeah. I could have maybe had postpartum depression. Yeah. And maybe I just didn't know about it because like when I hear depression in the real world, I hear like you want to hurt yourself or yeah. you can't get out of bed and all this stuff. And I feel like I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm definitely mourning my past life, mm-hmm. but never to the point where it outweighed the like joy that I also had. Yeah. If that makes sense. I feel like I felt both. I felt the extremes of both sides. Whereas I don't know if maybe if I was depressed, maybe it would be swing more one way than the other. I think it's hard to tell. It's like, I don't think that there's, I think whether you have postpartum depression or not, it's fucking hard. Yeah, it's and just, I don't think you should have to be diagnosed with postpartum depression to be have the the kindness and softness that every mother deserves mm-hmm. to have postpartum. And my girlfriend Kale and I mm-hmm. laugh all the time because I think the biggest problem that I see in my mom groups is that we are too tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I tell all my new girlfriends now, I'm like, you need to bitch to your husband more. You need to bitch. You need to complain, whether you feel it or not. Yes. You need to bitch about it because they yes. will never understand. Sure, you could maybe you don't have the the pregnancy aches and pains, and you're not physically upset. But there's no way that your husband will ever emotionally understand the hormonal fluxes that you are going through. And if the only way to get sympathy and empathy and help from your husband is to complain about your back and your belly and your feet, then you need to bitch about that yes. because you need to be able to have help and have him understand you in whatever way it takes, because whether you have postpartum depression, baby blues, whatever it is, motherhood fucking sucks postpartum and you should be supported whether you feel a certain way or not. Every mother should feel supported. 
couldn't agree more. So bitch about it to your husband, whether you like feel that. it or not. Another love trick it. of the trade. <laughs> I love, I'm loving all these tips and tricks. It also sounds like a lot of your relationships changed. I mean, let's start with your friends. And then I definitely want to talk about this dynamic with Matt because it's yeah fascinating. Um, but tell me a little bit about how your friendships evolved pre and post kids. I feel like for my friendships, I think a, a, a lot of them became, you know, a lot. I was really lucky to have most of my friends kind of going through this, yeah. this process at the same time, a lot of them. And even the ones that haven't, I feel like Matt and I are very social people and we really love our friends and, and yeah. they're a huge part of our lives. And I think one of the things that we decided as a couple when we became parents was that we love our family. We love our kids. We want to experience everything with them. Like we took them to Italy for two weeks this summer. Like we are a family oriented family, but at the same time, we also want to have fun with our friends. And I think that we're on the same page with that. And we made a really big point of being able to find support in our household so we could go to dinner with our friends and see them and have like, you know, go on vacations with our friends. Like, you know, we would went down um for a friend's birthday in New York and we like dropped the kids with grandma and grandpa and like went to the Hamptons for the weekend. And being able to do stuff like that, we're very lucky to have a, a Matt's family like super, super involved and my family's in LA. Yeah. And then we also have a nanny agency that we really love and that they've been great helping us find um, long-term help for our family. And I know not everyone is like um, able to do that, but it was something that we prioritized in our relationship and, and it's something that we make a huge effort in. And I think being able to go out and do stuff as a couple with mm -hmm. our friends is like a huge, huge bonus for us. And I think it, it, it helps us maintain our marriage and our relationship. That's such an important point. I think we get thrown into parenthood and we're caught in the throes of figuring out who we are and our relationships and how to just keep this child alive and nurtured and how do we keep ourselves going to take care of them. But so seldom do we slow down and say, what's important in our lives? You know, our friends are important to us. And how do we actually create a structure that allows us to engage with our friends and our community? And it's really beautiful that you and Matt were so intentional in saying, this is important to us. So if it's important, how do we prioritize the other things in our lives to create a system that allows us to go out? But what's really interesting there too is I find that in my community and just in the general mom zeitgeist out there, there's the guilt. You know, we feel bad about saying, okay, I'm going to go out or go away for a weekend and be with my friends and away from my kids. How do you work through that? And yeah, tell me, tell me how you handle that. I don't think mom guilt is ever going to go away. I think mom guilt is like, you always just think you can do more for your child. And I think I felt it more with Jones for sure. Being my first, I think, you know, you always want to be there and see everything. And um, I think for us and, and I don't think it's, this is a thing. I think when I was pregnant, mm -hmm. 
I was always, you know, you're tired and you want to come home. So like we go out to dinner with our friends and maybe we want to go get drinks after. And I would always be like, I'm going to go home and like, you go, you go out with the guy or with the rest, with our friends, I'm going to go home early. I'll take care of the kids. And it's so easy for the mom to start playing that role, being like, you know, being selfless. I'm going to, you go ahead and have fun. I'm going to go home early. I'm going to wake up early with the kids. And when I was pregnant, I didn't care, yeah. but I'm not pregnant anymore. And also we're a partner. We, these are both of our kids. And I think it's important to, to let your husband know that like, it's not just my responsibility to like always feel that guilt and be able to like separate myself to make sure my kids are always okay, that it should be a team effort. And that like, now we go out together or, you know, if I have a girl's night by myself and then he can have a guy's night by himself, but then making sure that we're both able to have that outlet and time with our friends and not feel like it only falls on the mom's shoulders. I don't think that that's fair. And I think that we typically take it upon ourselves as moms. It's all that invisible work that we're always doing. Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. I but I think, that. I think it's important after you're like, when I was pregnant, I could care less because yeah. I'm like, I'm exhausted. I just want to play in bed by myself. Totally. But like, after, after the fact, it's like, we need to get back out there. We need to see our friends. And it's not just like, just because we started that routine when I was pregnant, I made it very clear to my husband, this is not continuing. (laughs) I need my life back, but it's, it's wild. You really have to work because to become your, who you were before kids. And of course we're all a little different, maybe, but you really have to claw her back. You have to really work to get back to creating space and time for the things you love. And it's, it's not easy, but you have to be conscious because it's so easy to just get caught up in it, constantly reacting and just, you know, take it. It's easy to constantly be in service to your children. Yeah. It is so easy to constantly be in service to them. And you know what? It's important for us to be good parents, but it's also important for us not to lose ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. as parents. And I think that my mom was a full-time working mom. My parents got divorced when I was seven and, you know, it was hard, but I also respected my mom for showing me what it was to be a single working mom. And like, I think so much of my work ethic came from her and seeing how hard she worked and how hard my dad worked and, and not thinking that the world revolved around me. And I think that's an important lesson to teach our children. It's like, we think that we're showing them love and what we're doing is showing them that the world revolves around them. And that is not what we want our children to think. Yes, we need them to know that this is a whole world. Everyone has their own lives and we're all integrated. Um, But it doesn't mean we don't love them. Like, I think a lot of parents associate loving your child and doing everything for them with, oh, this is how I, I show them I love them. But uh, it's not, it's co- that's how it's coming out to, from us. But to them, it's like the world revolves around me. Yes, and I mean, what a cruel trick to make your child think that they are the center of the universe because yeah. once you go through adolescence and realize there's a much bigger world and we're all a piece of this puzzle, that's a huge shock. And I think- Well, there's a fine line between confidence and thinking the world revolves around you. So it's it's the constant tiptoe on that fine line. Yes, completely, completely, completely. It's just, it's tough. 
Yeah, it's very hard. But you know, the the thing that's also changed with our friends is like we used to have, you know, go out to dinner all the time and do all this stuff. We don't do it as much. One thing we do is like our friends that do have kids, mm-hmm. like come over. I got the pack and play set up in my closet. Your Love kids it. can nap here. Yes. We like have extra floaties for the pool. Like we've now made our house into like the most kid-friendly house ever. And all of our kids are like on multiple naps still. So yeah. we're like, come over. I got an extra sound machine, monitor, and pack and play set up. So come over. We'll put them down for a nap, have a glass yeah. of wine, yeah. and then we're good to go. Love it. It's just different. And I feel like it's it's such a welcome chapter. I mean, we go through stages of our lives where there's a lot of sameness or party, party, fun, fun. And now this is a different flavor of fun. And I, like you, also went through a phase where I kind of mourned like my old life and my new life. But now I found such joy and excitement in the fun things that I find myself doing in this chapter, yeah. like pack and play hangouts with my friends <laughs> and wine. I like the whole nine. It's it's just really, it's become really fun. And I never thought that I would say hanging out with a room full of babies would be. <laughs> oh, it's so overstimulating, but I sleep so well at night because of it. We're kind of getting to the end of our chat, but before we do, we still need to cover your relationship with Matt and how, <sighs> how it works. I mean, your business partners, your parenting partners, your lovers. I mean, there's so many layers here. Tell me about this dynamic and how do you make it work? <laughs> it's not easy. Working with your partner is 100% not easy. Um, Matt started working with me, I want to say, like part-time five years ago and then like full-time since like 2019. And he came from finance. So he's used to this, like, you know, hyper masculine, like gentleman's club. And then he comes and works for his fashion blogger, influencer wife. And I think it was more of like an ego transition for him to come in. And he was like, you know, the stud in finance, everyone loved Matt Coop, Matt Coop and had like managed like 26 people. And then he comes in and he's like helping me doing all my management and contracts and all that stuff. And then, but he, he's also a very creative person. He does all the photography and, and video for me and having to like have your wife boss you around, I think it was a really big transition for him. And I think it taught me, it was a huge transition for me too, because you know, I'm used to dealing with my agents where I just, I'm kind of like, this is how it is. Yeah. This is what I want, blah, 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 blah. And I learned that I like couldn't talk to my husband like that because it's just that you need to have so much. It's so easy to be harsh with your husband because they are your closest person. And it was really easy for me to like snap back at him Mm -hmm. and, and get frustrated with him in way and vice versa as him, as he would with me in ways that we would never talk to other people. And never talk to people professionally. And so I think it took us a while to like realize that we needed to find that respect for each other professionally mm-hmm. that we had personally. And I think that being able to not use each other as punching bags and and create boundaries for ourselves in the work environment was a really long, tedious, hard road. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I think also for us too, is that we work together creatively. And I think that it's one thing to be able to shoot emails back and forth with someone, but then when you're trying to collaborate creatively with someone, if we were in a fight, I would just be like, fuck it. We're not getting anything done today. I'm so pissed at you. I can't shoot. I can't smile. I hate you. You ruined my whole day. What am I going to do now? Like that was our lives for like years when we just could not handle the volatility of our, our working together and also being like married and, and the stresses of it. And it's just like, we just shot this morning before this podcast. And it was yeah. so calm and beautiful and lovely. And I literally looked at him and I was like, that was so nice. It's oh. taken us so long to get here. <laughs> we've we've ruined so many days and been so unproductive because we get in these like stupid bickers about nothing. Yeah. That you would never fight with a coworker about, but, it, yeah. but he's my husband. Yeah. But he pisses you- me off in ways that no one else can. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> and vice versa. I piss yes. off in ways that yes. no one else can. Of course. We really all know how to trigger each other. Oh my God, 100%. Yeah. So have you taken what you've learned from this working relationship with your husband? And has anything kind of led over into your roles as co-parents and as just also like your romantic relationship too? Has it helped? Has it hurt? Like, tell me how that all works. Um. It's, listen, I think we've come a long way in our relationship. I would say we are not experts and we are still always trying to better our relationship. And there's always room for improvement. Um, I think for a while, like I'm such a crazy worker, especially always working for myself. I could be like head down 24 seven and just like constantly be working. And Matt had has like pull me back and be like, just because we're working together doesn't mean we're enjoying our time together or we're, this is quality time together. He's like, I need a date night or I need dinner together. And, and he's actually really good about verbalizing what he needs and time for just us. And I don't give him enough credit for it because I'm like, but we were together all day. He's like, we were working. Yeah, not the same. And I'm like, but it's the same to me. We're together all day. (laughs) (laughs) So I think being able to carve, it's yeah, just carving out time for each other has become our new thing. And I think for him, it was frustrating when we first had Jones and first had Charlie because, you know, he kind of fell to the bottom of the totem pole. It was like, okay, well, obviously I have to work. Obviously our kids need us. They're going to like, can't survive without us. So like, unfortunately you're, bottom of the totem pole. And I think, you know, for a guy, especially after having been pregnant for a year, then all of a sudden you're still not important. Yeah, I get it. But I think we're finally getting back into that groove where we like started doing our date nights again and all that stuff. I'm like, just give me some time. I'm getting pulled in every direction as a new mom. I need you to like, not make me feel bad about the fact that I don't have time for you as much as I normally do. So it's, it's just about communicating what each other needs. And I think this time around with Charlie was a lot easier. Well, it's interesting going back to where we started. It's, it's boundaries. You kind of had to figure out what boundaries you needed to set after Jones and kind of re rebuild yourself and what you needed. And now you're like, okay, I need this. This is the 
way I prioritize that. This is our time. And it's, it's really incredible, but it does, it takes, it takes a while and takes a lot of work. (laughs) I think being able to reassess our relationship after each phase that we've been through has been really helpful for us. Mm -hmm. Like being like, okay, Charlie's sleep or like Jones is sleeping through the night. Yeah. We have help at home. We, you know, let's figure out how we can create more time for ourselves. And then like, after every kind of like big milestone like that, I feel like Matt and I have been more so Matt, to be honest, it's good about like kind of sitting us down and assessing what, what we need to work on with our relationship and like what he, mostly what he needs from the relationship. But I'm like, that's fine. Great. What he needs is probably the same as me. He just verbalizes it better. Yeah. There you go. The Scorpio and Sagittarius. Yeah. But what's great about this is I love that. That's such an important takeaway. Every stage that you're in through parenthood, it's temporal. It's going to pass and things will change and the game changes every six months, three months. Wow. You feel like you got the hang of it. And I love that Matt is keeping you guys accountable for saying, okay, the circumstances have changed and how are we going to support ourselves and our nurture our relationship? What, what do we do now in this stage? That's really smart and so powerful and allows you to just take, again, set the boundaries and take a little bit more control of where you are in that stage. It's, it's really neat. And it makes you feel good to know that you can, you can reconnect at any time. I think that's, what's been really nice for us too, is that now, now that we've gone through it a couple of times, we now know that like, it is a phase and like, we can find that time and reconnect. And, and then we both feel really good about our relationship again. And we know what it takes for us to reconnect. Mm -hmm. We know what it takes for us to like be on the same page again. And I think that's really nice to know that we can go and have our ebbs and flows and ups and downs and know that we can come back to it. I think that's a huge takeaway as a married couple. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. But working with your husband is never easy. Oh my God. God bless you. That is rough. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. I should say, I'm sure it's, 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 it's really, now. it has so many amazing benefits, but it's just, you know, dealing with the, the, the fine line, when come back, coming back to that fine line of like your husband, your, yep. your professional work partner, your lover. It's like it, that fine line is very fine. Uh, I got a taste of it tip of the iceberg. My husband's an AD and he works on films and big things. And we were shooting um, our very first video brand campaign for Parallels, this journey that showed kind of everything from, you know, women's experiences with miscarriage to conceiving through pregnancy and postpartum. And it was this beautiful video. And one of his amazing friends decided to be the DP and direct it. And I looked at Spencer and like, I kind of need a like producer. <laughs> Would you do this for me? And working together on that was really tough. And it was also tough to decide like, when do we talk about work and when do we not? Um, so I have such a deep respect for you because it was a, it was a trying time for me. <laughs> it is because it's like in your relationship, there's so it's, you have your roles defined, yes. but then when you're in work mode, you know, those roles are not defined and you're used to playing a different role with your coworkers. And when your when your work positions don't match your marriage positions, oh it's God. hard. Cause like, you know, I, I feel like I'm more passive in our marriage, but I'm like not passive 
in work. Yeah. And so it's like trying to find that dance and being able to put one hat on and then the other is very hard. And it's hard for both people because you have to completely change your dialogue and your conversation and how you speak to each other. And it's, it's can be very triggering. (laughs) It sounds like you've got a good flow. So it takes a while. It takes a while, but there's so many benefits to it. We, we get to spend more time with our kids. Mm -hmm. We get to spend time together traveling. We get flexibility and those things are so special and amazing. Valuable. Yeah. It's been so lovely. I have one last question for you. Yeah. What is the most valuable thing that you have learned about yourself since becoming a mom? I think I'm probably shocked at how little sleep you can get and still be a functioning human being. (laughs) Amen to that. And my patience. I think that my patience has grown exponentially. Good. Good. That's a great answer. Yeah. Well, I cannot begin to express my gratitude for having you on the show and just sharing so openly. You are truly a book of (laughs) wisdom and I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you. Uh, My little pearls of wisdom. I'm happy to pass along. We're all still learning from each other and always will be, right? Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like we could do like a part two and a part three. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Anytime. I'll come back anytime. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. This was so fun. This was such a blast. Thank you so much again. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's episode was made possible by the company that I co-founded alongside my co-founder, Tori, and Dr. Bayati, which is Parallel. We are the first and only OBGYN-founded women's vitamin, offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of the motherhood journey, from preconception through each individual trimester, because mom and baby need different nutrients to support them, and into postpartum. We created this product because we felt completely failed by the available options on the market. There was an opportunity to create more targeted nutrition for each of these stages. And so we turned to the nation's top doctors to formulate these products. So each product is meticulously formulated by our founding team of world-class doctors, which includes notable OBGYNs, widely published maternal fetal medicine doctors, award-winning endocrinologists in partnership with functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, and even doulas. It was so important for us to create a product that both Eastern and Western medicine doctors could agree on. I personally take the Mom Multipack. I have a little one who's two years old and four years old, but we have incredible products for all the different stages. So for all of you listening, we are going to offer you a very exclusive 20% off your first month with code PODCAST20. So head to ParallelHealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L Health.com and use that code.